your neighbor this evening, ask, ask them how was work today, was there traffic? <laughs> okay, um, today we on planned, we are in part three of, of um, the Q&A sessions um, that started um, obviously three weeks ago. We, we had questions coming in and, and we said, okay, fine, let's devote one um, prize session for questions and answers. And boom, we've had so many questions, different ones. If you missed the previous sessions, you could um, get the, um, the, the message at the back or you can download, download it on iTunes for free and um, also at, at the website. Today, I have 29 questions standing. Um, so, um, we will still take questions. If we spend two minutes on every question in one hour, we are not done. Um, <laughs> so, we will still take questions. Do we have the slips, ushers? So, thank you. So, if you have a question, can you just write it down and pass it to any of the ushers and, and they'll get to me. The earlier it gets to me, um, I'm hoping that we'll wrap it up today. Um, the easier it is for us to, to wrap up. Are we ready? Are we ready? Okay. First question. I was wondering if sowing a seed can be used to replace the instruction to train up a child with respect to discipline and road of correction. I have come across some Christians who have their mind wrapped around this principle. Now, if I understand this question, this person is saying, instead of parents to train their children, they are sowing seeds for their future. <laughs> and they would not be the parents that God has called them to be, rather um, they avoid conflict with their children and they think um, a seed will meet every need. Well, that obviously is, is a, um, a wrong application. While if a seed will meet a need, when you are training your child, you are actually sowing a seed. You are sowing a seed. When you are disciplining your child, it's not convenient. It's not, you see, um, while we were growing up, while we were much younger, I used to think that my, our parents, they took pleasure in just whacking us. <laughs> I used to, I mean, how many people thought like that? I mean, I used to think like that. Like, these people, it's, it's as if it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's just sports for them, you know? But as I grew up and, you know, became a, a parent, I realized how difficult it must have been for them to really, to really beat us the way they beat us, you know, and they beat us well. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so it must have been really difficult for them, but they loved us more than 
letting us go and become whatever we, can, we, we want to become. They, they, they believed so much in our future that they sacrificed their, their affection for, for the um, painful period of, of, of flogging. Because every parent that really deals with their child is also feeling the pain. Am I correct, parents? Also feeling the pain. So when you have to do it, you do it for the child. You are sowing a seed for the child's future. And that doesn't replace sowing a seed of, of, of finances for the child's future. Number two, mentor, mentor, oh, sorry, I'd always wanted to pay a sacrifice for the well-being of my future kids, successful home, as few people have testified of. Supposing I'm earning 30K, haven't separated my 10%. How much then can I start paying for my future family and its prosperity? Come on, when it comes to sowing the seed, it's up to you and God. I mean, if, if God says one one naira is your business, if you feel you people have testified to this and you want to key into it, maybe you now want to, um, like like I share in this church. I mean, you see a couple that you 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 desire the, the authentic relationship that they have. I'm not talking about fake people that put up a front, you know. You really see that they have an authentic relationship and you want to have a relationship like that. I encourage people to sow, give, give them a gift. I mean, just sow into their lives. And if it is 500 naira, you, it's commensurate to that. Fine. Just, it's your heart. And the sacrifice that God honors. Praise the name of the Lord. Number three, pastor, as a believer, thank you, can a person work in a tobacco or alcohol manufacturing company? <sighs> Supposing a person is working there before getting saved, should he or she quit his or her job? And come to church for supplies. <laughs> now, this question, my response may not be very popular. I know. So I'm warning you up front. Alcohol and tobacco are not healthy to the body. Same goes for red meat. To shock you, same goes for mobile phones. Did you know that they finally admitted, my, and I was watching a video on CNN, CNN God decided, they finally admitted that putting a phone to your head can cause brain cancer. I've just never, I've, I've never, I always used my cable, I mean, ever since. I've never put it on my hair. I just didn't like it. So they finally admitted. Now, putting the phone to your hair 
the radiation can cause brain cancer. The person that is selling cigarettes can cause lung cancer. If you smoke it long enough, they should all resign. And stop. Okay, so Pastor, that one is immoral. This one is moral. Look at it from this perspective. Start from legality of the business. Is it prostitution or pimping or human trafficking? That is illegal. That is wrong. If a Christian is working in a brewery, someone is working in a brewery and the person gets saved, I will not advise the person to resign. I will not. I will not ask a Christian to go and look for a job in a brewery. But if you're in a brewery, everybody's looking at me that. This guy a pastor. <laughs> but if, you, if, you, if you're in a brewery and you get saved, I will not advise you to resign. If your conscience cannot handle it, I would advise you to look for another job. If you're a Christian and you, you want to, um, you're looking for a job, and you get an offer in a brewery, and you still have that question mark in your heart, I will tell you not to take it. Praise the Lord. Does that answer that question? Okay. So I think that um, working in, a, in an alcohol manufacturing company and a tobacco company is not the issue. The issue runs deeper than that. It, it runs deeper than that. If I'm just like somebody that is selling. If I'm, now, if I'm now directly selling alcohol. Now, there are people that have, have trained their children from selling alcohol. Now, if somebody overdrinks that alcohol and, and kills his wife at home, who is responsible? Come on, who is responsible? Not the seller. The person that is drinking alcohol is responsible for the measure he drinks. And he just says, you're responsible. However, if someone is selling cocaine, it's wrong. Should a Christian open a beer parlor? No. If you want to ask me that, I would say no. Don't do it. Why? Because you'll be feeding people that have, that are not strong. You'll be feeding people that have weaknesses. You'll be feeding people that are deficient in their character. You'll be feeding people. In fact, the Bible says that if eating meat will make your brother sin, don't eat it. Talk less of opening a beer parlor. Am I making sense? Okay, cool. Um, next question. A child asks this question during the Ciroc service. If your mommy asks you to tell someone who comes to visit her that she's not around, when in actual fact she's at home, should she obey her parent or not? The teacher told the parent to remind her mother that that would be lying. The child's response was, my mother would beat me. Or shout at me if I do that. What should the young girl do? 
Is there a way she can avoid the beating? <laughs> that is suffering for righteousness' sake. Pure and simple. Anyway, I think we should talk to this parent. Um, so, as a yesterday, where is she? Okay, please let's talk to this parent, you know, and, um, and since we know her, so we can have a one-on-one. But off the bat, parents, you should not be doing that. You are putting your children in a wrong spot. In fact, you're actually destroying that child because you are training that child how to lie. When the child will begin to lie to you, be, she will be so smarter than you. You know, they're always better than us in whatever we teach them to do early. By the time they grow up, they are beating us in it, whatever it is. So it is, it is so important that we, we um, because the parents have said to me before, that brought her son, I said to me, Pastor, she told her son to tell somebody on the phone that she was not around. And her son had the boldness to tell her that Pastor has preached that we should not be lying. And she said to me, Pastor, God says, honor your father and your mother. Tell this boy he has to honor me under, as long as he's under my roof. And I looked her in the face and I said, I'm sorry to disappoint you. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to honor you. If it conflicts with God, you should honor God. And he just say, Amen. Amen. You should train your children to honor God above you. They will love you in a way that you cannot even explain. Why? Because you are, you, are, you are honoring God. You are placing God ahead of yourself. And it's so powerful that we um, don't lead our, our children astray. Um, I'll take a question that I got by mail. It says, good evening, sir. Can you give me Bible verses that back up the fact that somebody must pay tithe to the church where he or she is being fed? And not once village church. So people pay tight to village church. I was just talking hypothetically. Please give us as many scriptures as possible on tribe day to clarify for clarity's sake. Okay. <laughs> I told you guys that, you see. You need to understand. Like somebody said to me, Pastor. Pastor, you are saying that we should save. Why should we save? The just shall live by faith. Show me in the Bible where Jesus says you should save your money for rainy days. I say, okay, don't save. <laughs> Do you understand? Okay, don't save. No, 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 Pastor, I'm not saying that. I just want you to show me where it is in the New Testament. You know, you, with God, God is a God of principles. There was a principles. God is a God of principles. And principles of God are eternal. Whether you see them in the Old Testament, quote and unquote, I've explained the Old Testament and New Testament dichotomy to us before, or whether you see them in the New Testament, quote and unquote, God does not change. It is the access to Him that changed. The access to him through bulls, the blood of bulls and goats, was insufficient. Jesus had to come and pay the sacrifice. But God, in his character, has not changed. If God was jealous in the Old Testament, 
is still a jealous God in the New Testament. If God was holy in the Old Testament, well, I'm sorry to say to you, some people that don't want to hear it, he's still a holy God. In the New Testament, it's consistent. It doesn't change. That's why we are not consumed. So when it comes to tithing, first fruits, giving, you need to understand it from the perspective of principle. From the perspective of principle. God's principle. Jesus died so that you and I can be connected to the covenant God had with Abraham. That was why Jesus died. Jesus died so that we can be children of Abraham. So the covenant that was rendered obsolete was not Abraham's covenant with God. It was Moses' covenant, as it were, with God and children of Israel. The covenant of Abraham exists. In fact, when you get saved, we read Romans 4, we become engrafted into the lineage of Abraham. So we can sing, Abraham's blessings are mine. You know that song? Abraham's blessings are mine. I am blessed in the morning. I am blessed in the evening. Abraham's blessings are mine. So what God requires of Abraham in, ble- in, 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 in principle and what God manifests to Abraham in blessings is ours. Did Abraham pay tithe? Yes. Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek. Tithe existed before Moses, before the law. And it will continue, it has continued afterwards. Now, if you look at the way Jesus approached tithing, Jesus says that, look, because what they used to say back in the day is that as long as you pay your tithe, you can abuse your father. It's just like sowing seed that has been abused these days. Once you sow a seed for your future, just behave anyhow. Just, no. Jesus says, no, you can't do that. Why you should sow, why you should give, there are weightier matters of the law. Honor your father and your mother that you should not neglect. That was what Jesus was saying. So, when you zero in on where to pay your tithe, it is, it, it is just common sense for starters and biblical principles scripturally. God says, bring the storehouse, bring the, all the tithes into my storehouse. Each person has a storehouse as that God recognizes. Everybody should be a part of a local church so that there will be provision in my house. So, for instance, some man comes to me and says that, oh, I'm paraphrasing now, that you guys are, you are, you are wasting money on the children's church. You are spending so much money, wasting money on the children's church. Meanwhile, his children are benefiting from it. So I said to him, so why don't you carry your children to, I did not disrespect to any church, to that roadside church that they are there under the, uh, why don't you carry your children there? Why do you come here and criticize the children's church? Meanwhile, your children are there. They are feeding from there. They are being catered for from there. I mean, it's just hypocrisy. Same thing. You are being 
covered spiritually here, you have been prayed for here, you have been fed the word of God here, you have been, then you take your tithe and you take it to another church, God will forgive you. <laughs> because if everybody does that, he said, but, oh, this church doesn't need this. That church needs this. It's not your business. If, how do you know who needs this more? You don't know. Because what you don't know is that the bills of the person that lives in VGC is more than the bills of the person that lives in, um, let's use um, AJ City. Victoria Garden City and AJ City. In fact, the maintenance fee alone, half a year, Victoria Garden City, is more than rent for three years in Ajegunle. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you are benefit from Victoria Garden City. Meanwhile, you are not, you are saying, no, 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 no. Those ones need your money. But what if they can't pay maintenance fee eventually? What will now happen? It doesn't make sense. It's just responsibility. Then finally, the church is a missional organization. In other words, the church, the local church is, um, is on a mission. Every local church will have a mission. There's a mission. God has put us here for a purpose. And if you are a part of a local church, you are supposed to be a part of that mission. So for you to not to be committed Wherever your local church is, even if it's not God's hospital, you should be committed to that local church. For you not to be committed in that local church is a disservice. And going by God's principle, it doesn't add up. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Thank you. Um, next question. It says, good evening, Pastor Femi Monet. You know, when somebody greets me like that, I know that something is coming. <laughs> I am Emmanuel Echo. Do you know that it is a shame for women to speak in the church so that you will not think that I'm just saying it? Look at the book of Genesis 3.16, Corinthians, I think it means 1 Corinthians 14.33-35, Timothy, I'm assuming it means 1 Timothy 2.10-14. to Thank you. you know, I, love, I love guys like this. Emmanuel Epo. Um, I did an extensive teaching on this some time ago. On the role of the woman. Women covering their hair. Should a woman ever lead a man? You know? And I explained that when the Bible says that the man is the head of the woman, the word translated man there really means the husband is the head of his wife. Not every man, the head of every woman. You are not the head of my wife, I'm sure you know that. Neither are you the head of somebody else's wife. So, don't say, a man is the head of the woman. It's in the Bible. How can you put a, a woman ahead of me? 
you know, I've had a, to, 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 to counsel someone that a lady that was a pastor gave him instructions. Obviously, those instructions were hard. And, I mean, and he said he was leaving the church and he stormed out of the church, and, you know, and, and came to meet me, the church we were attending at the time. I wasn't the pastor. And came to meet me. I, that's a woman. I have a type at home. Look, it's just, it's just arrogance. Pure and simple. The man is not the head of the woman. The husband is the head of his wife. You, I, just need, I just need to, I just need that to, to, to soak in. Now, for some of you here, the person that owns that organization you are working with, on, with is a woman. She's paying your bills. She's giving you salary. I don't know. You are collecting it. Do you have a problem with that? Why don't you say, oh, the, the president of HP. HP is a, was a woman I, I, for some years ago. It's a, She's not, well, okay, as I mean, she was still a woman. She's still a woman. Okay, and HP gives you a, a job of, of West African director overseeing sales. It comes with a car, brand new car, a house, two trips to the US, all expenses paid. And you are saying, woman. <laughs> no, 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 no. The point is, will you even say woman? You will come here and dance and give testimony. I mean, so we, we, we force on things that is baseless. A woman is more skillful than you are. Suck it up. Let us do the job. But I'm a man. But you're a man. You're a skillless man. <laughs> I'm not saying all men are skillful. Of course, men are you know, very skillful. But I'm, I'm just trying to say that, look, this, a woman is a woman. A man is a man. The roles are different domestically. But outside of the home, it's a different ballgame. When you come to the church, for instance, if you, if, you, if, you, if you check, even in the New Testament, the lady that, at the dedication of Jesus, Anne, Annie, Anne, what's her name? She was a prophetess. There are prophetesses in the church. What does prophetesses do? They, they speak over the church. They prophesy. So if you have prophets, prophetesses in the book of Acts of Apostles, recorded in the book of Luke, recorded in the Old Testament, Miriam was a prophetess. So what is Paul saying? If you don't understand the context of that scripture, you're going to struggle with it. What happened in the, the, the Corinthian church is, is one of the most spiritual churches that Paul birthed. But as spiritual as they are, the Corinthian church historically was one of the most carnal churches. Carnal churches. When they come for Holy Communion, for instance, they come to, with pounded yam and a goosey soup. That was why Paul was saying that if you're hungry, eat in your house. When you come to the Lord's table, don't, 
When it comes to prophesying, for instance, everybody wants to prophesy. Everybody is speaking in tongues. Everybody has a word. Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, 14 says, come on, guys. If somebody is speaking to let somebody interpret. God is a God of confusion. And I can give you several other examples. When it comes to love, you have to break it down for them in 1 Corinthians 13. That is how love is. In 1 in Corinthians 3, he was saying, you are yet carnal. You are still very carnal. So the woman, of course, the truth is this. If you, men are carnal, they are carnal in a manly way. But when women are carnal, they can scatter everywhere. So the women in the first Corinthians, the Corinthian church, were obviously carnal, so as the men, and they were women can cause trouble more than men. Now everybody is looking at me quietly. Is that true or not? In fact, there's a prayer my grandmother used to pray for us. We we're Muslim boys. She used to say, You will not see the fight of a woman. And I pray for every man here, may you not see the fight of a woman. So it, it, became, it came on another level. He said, oh, it came on another level. And Paul needed to put order in the Corinthian church. So he said, you know what, guys? Women, sit at home and listen to your husband. In this church, this is how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. Should that not be a template for churches everywhere in the world? It probably will work for churches in the Middle East where the women are still very subjugated, you know. In Saudi Arabia, you, you, women can't drive till now. They're not allowed to drive. It probably will work in the Semitic region, but it's not a global gospel. So we are not going to worry about it here. Sorry, Emmanuel. I have a strong burden, which I need clarification. I made a vow during a great program at my own church, but then the money had hardly come forth. Now I want to redeem the vow. I am, am I permitted to redeem it at my present church here in Lagos, or it must be at the same church I vowed? Thank you. It depends on what the vow is all about. If you, if you let's say you say that I make a vow to buy a microphone for this church in your local church, and God blesses you, you, you are not in Lagos, you have the money to buy a microphone, don't buy the microphone for the church in Lagos. Go and buy the microphone for the church in, in the village, because that's a local vow. But if you say, if God blesses me, I'm going to give X amount, then God blesses you in Lagos. Then you give X amount in Lagos. Does, does, does that make sense? Good. Pastor, please, can our praise and worship be two hours every service? Next question. <laughs> the answer is yes. If you come for videos, you have approximately two hours at videos. Um, but every service, next question. I know God can walk in extraordinary ways, but is it true that people dream of going to heaven and coming back? 
while it is true that people dream of going to heaven and coming back, while some of those dreams are authentic, I have seen a lot of fake. The devil takes people to his own place that he arranges as heaven and, bring, and they start preaching all sorts of crazy doctrines. And they are authenticating it by the fact that they had a real dream. So, not every dream is from God, including heaven dreams. Eh, uh-huh, pastor. I mean, <laughs> that's how the person wrote it. Eh, uh-huh, pastor, I'm a teenager. And I've been thinking about the issue for, this issue for a long time. Is it right to drive in a one-way lane? Or bush path? Are we breaking the law? Or just being wise? NB, my dad does it. Should I follow his footstep? Talk about following your, your father's footstep. You know this story about the boy, a boy that was asked what he wants to be when he grows up. He says, oh, he wants to follow his father's footstep. He says, oh, what do you want to be? He says, what does he want to be? He says, oh, he want to be? He says, he want to be a policeman. He says, oh, that means your father is a cop. He says, no, he's an arm robber. <laughs> I want to follow his footsteps. I want to track him down. <laughs> You're supposed to laugh. It was a very funny joke. <laughs> anyway, the key thing is this. Don't follow his footsteps. Driving one way is wrong. It's, it's, it's very bad. It's bad behavior. It's really, in fact, some people, many times, you leave church. Sunday morning, you just worship, you just heard the word of God. You leave church, you face one way. It's wrong. In fact, I believe that's one of the quickest ways the devil steals people's blessings, disobedience. So you, you've heard God's word, and everybody, if, sometimes people want to leave church, and there's just so much confusion. Why one guy is refusing a lady to pass? Because who does she think she is? Meanwhile, you're coming from the same church. You've just had communion from the same table. She's your sister. Let her pass. You will discover that when she passes, the road will still be there for you. She won't carry the road and go. So driving one way, bush paths, is wrong. Under normal circumstances. Which means... For instance, God forbid, if, if there's an incident of armed robbery and they are shooting, oh boy, turn and face one way. That is a sanctified one way. <laughs> that's fine. That's not the normal. But on a normal day, you, you don't do that. Um, that's wrong. So tell your dad that pastor says it's wrong. Dad, you should stop it. If Adam and Eve were the first people on earth, what was God talking about when he told Cain that he had marked him so anyone who saw him would kill him? You know, I've explained this before. Because of the way the Bible is written, before you, from verse 1 to verse 2, it can be 300 years. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the fact that you move from verse 1 to verse 2 does not mean that it happened in the next second. So the earth, obviously, would have been populated, one. Two, secondly, people lived longer. So... Cain, even if he did the incident at 10, he's going to live at up to a thousand years. There are going to be people around that want to kill him. So, that's clear. Sir, the Bible recorded that Peter loved Jesus so much that when the enemy wanted to attack Jesus, 
He, Peter, used his sword for self-defense to protect, to prevent the enemy. However, Jesus Christ frowned at Peter using his sword. Sir, to what extent can we carry out self-defense that it will not be seen? I mean, this person is probably responding to my, um, what I said <laughs> the other time. Now, in Peter's situation, it is not self-defense. The people that came to carry Jesus were the law of the land. So, arresting Jesus was legal. And he went through a legal proceeding. So, what Peter did was illegal. And Jesus had to correct that. It's different. So, Jesus was not under attack by the enemy. And he couldn't defend himself. So, to what extent is self-defense not seen? To the extent at which you don't lose your life. Because either fights or runs away. Lives to fight another day. <laughs> Eleven, is it right to make use of the resources you have at work for your personal use, especially the resources such as paper, mouse, etc.? Is it it's, in your care and it is in excess? Mm. B, or when somebody asks it from you that he or she needs something in your care, that that thing is not in use again by the organization and it's in excess. Let's keep saying it's in excess to justify it. Is it right to give it out? The answer is no. It's no. It's no. If, it, if, you, if, you, are not in the author, if you don't have the authority to, to do it, the answer is no. The answer is no. If... Um, who owns Apple? Let's say Steve Jobs was alive. If Steve Jobs owns Apple and Steve Jobs goes to the photocopying machine and brings out paper and writes whatever on it and, tr and trash it, is, is that wrong? Of course not. But if um, a programmer that works just does the same thing, of course it's wrong. It's stealing. Because it's not in your jurisdiction. Praise the Lord. Even if it is in excess. How come the birth and adulthood of Jesus is written and the way he lived as a teenager is not known? Please explain. Okay, teenagers obviously are struggling with that. Now, um, God lets us know what he wants to let us know. The birth childhood and his adulthood were recorded, his teenage years was also not hidden. Why? How do, how, how do we know? Because back in the day, the, the, the child, once becomes a, a, a teenager, begins to learn the trade of his father. So, for all his teenage years to his adult years, Jesus was in the capital shop learning how to knock wood Cut it. That was all he was doing. He was going through the routine of life. Sometimes we think routine is not necessary. Jesus went through it. So that's it. Please, sir, is it advisable to work for your husband, even though he has shown over time that his business is more important to him than you and the children? Is it important? Is it? Is it? Is it? advisable to work for your husband. Should you work for your husband? It depends on your relationship. The truth is that some people can't handle it. 
if, if your book can't handle it, being in the same space with your spouse 24-7, because somebody will break somebody's head. So it's better let everybody just, we'll love each other in the, when we get home. Everybody go and do your hustle. And you go. Some people, that's the best model. But for some people, of course, it will work. You know? But if the man has shown that he loves you more than his children, you, are you sure? That may not be correct. It may be because he loves you and the children so much, that's why he's working so hard. Because the way men express his love is sometimes different from the way women express it. For a woman, love is so uh, bushy, bushy, ugly, oh, oh, oh. For a man, after he has married you in the house, he's moved on to something. He wants to go and kill a game. He wants to accomplish something. He wants to... And he just... Sometimes he appears that he just needs you to support him <laughs> to do that. But if you feel that your relationship is strong enough or you want to make it stronger, there's nothing wrong with working with your husband. I think it's a beautiful arrangement. Anyway. My wife and I, we worked together for years. We still work together now, but in a different model. <clears throat> when exactly is Sabbath? Is it Saturday or Sunday? Sabbath, from the Jewish perspective, is a Saturday. But like I said, with God, you focus on the principle. The principle of Sabbath is the principle of rest. So, you can have your Sabbath on a Wednesday if you want, as long as you are in line with God. But from, that's, when they say the law is gone, that's part of the law that went. That Sabbath on the Saturday is gone. You don't need to do Sabbath on the Saturday. Please explain judgment. Are all the people dead waiting to be judged? Yes and no. Yes and no. For it is appointed for man to die once. And after that, judgment. Judgment has already been served. Whoa. This is, I hope it will reach part 10. <laughs> judgment has already been served. John 3.18 He that believes in the Son is not condemned. But he that does not believe in Jesus is condemned already. So when people die outside of Christ, there's judgment. People live and die outside of Christ. There's judgment is pronounced already on, on them. That's why when you come out of um, um, sin into Christ, you are out of condemnation. You are out of judgment. When people die, when people died before Christ, they went to a place called Hades. Hades sometimes is referred to as Sheol. Slightly different, but Hades basically meant the grave, the place of the grave, the place of the dead. That's what it means. That's what it means. Now, there are two compartments in Hades. There's paradise, where the godly people are, and there is 
the lake of fire, where the ungodly people are. So when someone dies, instant judgment. You, where, you, where you are going, you, you, before you die, you already know where you are going. So it's not when you die that you determine where you are going. He that is on, with Christ is out of condemnation, is not judged. He that is not with Christ is judged already. So once the person dies outside of Christ, goes there. Back there, outside of God, goes there. Righteous person in God goes to paradise. When Jesus came and died, the scripture says that in Psalm 100, David was prophesying that you will not leave my body in Hades. David was saying, you are going to come for me, Jesus. So when Jesus died, Jesus went to hell. Which hell did he go to? The scripture says he went to hell. Which hell? Is it hellfire? Both, actually. But for different purposes. He went to hellfire. He, let, he took the key of death and, 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 and hell from the devil. He bruised his head. He made an open show of the devil. He went to paradise and he set captivity. He led captivity captive. He set the captives free. The gulf between them, when the rich man and Lazarus, you know that story in Luke uh, 13, I think. The rich man and Lazarus. The rich man was in hell. Lazarus was in paradise. The rich man says, tell Lazarus to give me a drop of water. Abraham said, there's a gulf between us. So Jesus led captivity captive and led them on a train, Ephesians 4, to heaven. So the dead in Christ, people that die right now, they don't go to paradise. Paul says to live is gain. To die, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am in the body, I am with you. It's for your benefit. If I am without the body, I am with the Lord. Where's the Lord? Come on, where's the Lord? Heaven. He's not in paradise. Now, in Revelations, there's what is known as the great white throne room judgment. The white throne room judgment is for believers, for those that are in Christ, have made it to heaven. And that is where your works will be judged. Everybody's works is going to go through fire. You are saved, not your salvation. You are saved. But some, this thing you are doing, coming to church, you know that God is going to wait. For those of us that are serving, all the work you are doing in church is going to go through fire. You are parking cars, it's going to go through fire. You are ushering, it's going to go through fire. You are pastoring, it's going to go through fire. There's some people's work, when it goes through fire, fire consumes them because the quality of the work is stubble. When you're in a good day, you come to church. When you're not happy, well, let them pack the cars by themselves. Hey, you pass it through fire, fire consumes. But some people's quality of work is like gold. When they pass through fire, what happens? It purifies. That's why in heaven, some of us, I trust God, will be in mansions. Some people will be in face me and face you. I'm telling you, it's in the Bible. Some people will be boy scotters. But at least they are in heaven. <laughs> I think we should clap for Jesus for making heaven possible for us. <laughs> at least they are in heaven. 
I hope that answers that question. I, I, I give you the big picture so that you understand this thing, you know, and there's no confusion. And of course, the people that are without Christ are going to now face the eternal judgment. That's what is called in Revelations, eternal judgment. The Christians are not facing eternal judgment. It's a white throne room judgment. Good evening, Pastor. Why would educated girls reuse, refuse <laughs> to marry uneducated or semi-educated guys? A guy that is refused, not reuse. I'm sorry, I had to correct it. Why, why are we not human beings? Some of us are hardworking and even very handsome. <laughs> Babe, so you are hairy now. <laughs> Probably no fault of ours that we were not educated. Our parents didn't send us to school. Life happens. Most times, I start a relationship hoping for the best, but as soon as the lady re realizes that I am not schooled, she develops cold feet and runs away. This can be very depressing. Pastor, please help. God bless you. You know, I wish I could say, I hereby decree. All you girls that are not married or educated men, begin to marry them now in Jesus' name. Did you even say amen? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, the second question is, is similar. I'll just read it and, and, and roll it together. Um, good evening, Pastor. I proposed to a lady that I love so much, and she loves me too, but she turned down my request because of my educational qualifications. That is, I had a national diploma in business administration. While she is a BSc holder, should that be a barrier to a relationship? Thanks, and God bless you. Well, if, if you have an HND and, and she has a BSc and she has an issue, then she has an issue. You know, just let that go. She has an issue. <laughs> Look, sometimes I smile because the things that make for a great marriage is not certificate though. It's not certificate at all. You know? While for the first guy, yes, life happened, you didn't go to school, but I keep, not because so that you can marry <laughs> an educated lady, but for yourself, go to school. Do you understand? Still go to school, improve yourself. Don't, don't sit down defeated. You're not defeated if you don't permit defeat. Go to school, be a better person. If a lady is, I'm just assuming, let's say she has a BSc, and let's say you didn't finish secondary school, and, and you get to talk and, and all that, and, and you like each other, should she back down? Well, I don't think so. If, other, if there are other things that are in place, can there be a problem? Yes, there can be a problem. But is it a no-no? I don't think so. So ladies, softly, softly. 
How does one know he or she is in God's will in the face of adversity? That's a huge teaching by itself. But how you know is you check yourself, check your relationship with the Lord and 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 ask God to, to, to tell you if there's anything you need to straighten out. And he will, if there is. Otherwise, just face life trusting that God is beside you and you will overcome adversity in Jesus' name. Clarification to buttress what you said on offshore workshop. Okay, this person just saying people offshore and onshore, people offshore, they have fellowships and they can still have fellowships and you can actually start fellowships there if there is none. Good evening, Pastor. When Moses died, did he enter the promised land? Moses died before he entered the promised land. So Moses did not enter the promised land physically. He saw it. He didn't enter it. Um, good evening, Pastor. How can a person grow in their spiritual life, know their level in the realm of the Spirit with God and our Lord Jesus Christ? Attend the journey. Attend the journey. Seriously, it's going to help you grow spiritually. Attend new creation reality. There are things that are set up, you know, to really help you grow. There's no shortcut to spiritual growth. There's no shortcut to spiritual growth. And, of course, as you do so, God will grow you in Jesus' name. The Word of God says, after you have done all, you can stand. Question, what do you do while standing? Stand, therefore, with your loins gathered with truth, with the blessed place of righteousness, with shield of faith, sword of the spirit, sandal of the gospel, helmet of salvation. So, stand and fight. That is what you should do. Stand, and it says this is how you should be adorned. And it is not an attire for a party. It is not a pyjamas. Pyjamas that you are wearing. It is militant stuff. So when you stand, fight. Push back. And God will give you victory in Jesus' name. Sir, on tithing, again, should it be on your gross salary before all statutory deduction or on your take-home, your net pay, after all statutory deduction, that is pay ye, tax, pensions, etc., etc., are deducted from the gross pay. Thank you, sir. You tithe on your gross and not on your net pay. Next question. Good evening, Pastor. After youth service, I waited a long time to get a job. I promised God that I would pay my tithe if he gave me a job. I got a job and didn't pay my tithe for about three months. After a while, I was able to get another job. My question is, are all things passed away? Because with this new job, I want to start paying my... I think you know the answer to that. Basically, if you have a, if you, if you, if you have a covenant, a vow with God, fulfill your vow for your own sake. Not for God's sake. God will remain God. For your own sake. And I don't know why tithing is a vow anyway. 
Anyway, well, relationship, so can be. Why not? Please, can intense fear, pressure to do something mean that it is the will of God? The fear and pressure is consistent. How do you know if it is the spirit of error or the spirit of God? Especially if it is hard to measure by biblical standards as it regards being in a relationship with a man who appears to be born again. So it's it's, it's putting fear in you and you have intense, consistent pressure. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. God doesn't lead us with, with fear and pressure. God leads us with peace. <laughs> you know? God doesn't accept, particularly when it comes to relationship, don't, you don't want to do things out of fear and pressure. Don't even do it. I'm not saying he's not the right guy. I'm just saying just calm down and stop in your track. Take a break. You guys should go your different ways. First, let's see what happens. Does that make sense? Okay. Good evening, sir. When I look at things I just lost, what can I do to stop looking? The things I see around me are very difficult. (laughs) As As a single... Is there a suggestion there? You should wear sunshades. <laughs> well, let me just say this. Single or married, the reality is that things are getting more and more provocative. Even well-meaning ladies can't even find decent dresses to buy. The cuts of dresses these days are designed to be seductive. And men are visual beings. So what do you do? <laughs> I, what I laughed is I was, I remember I was, in a, I was in a car with a couple and we're going somewhere. The guy was driving, I was in front, the lady was behind. All of a sudden, the lady just screamed, Pastor, can you see? He's looking at that girl. He's looking at that girl. <laughs> I said, Madam, calm down. How do you know? He says, I, it's my, I'm watching him from the back. <laughs> I said, calm down. Eh? How do you know? He's looking at, he says, I know him. Okay, let him tell you now. If he was looking at us. I didn't want to put the man on the spot, you know. So I, I didn't want to take it. But she went on and on and on. So I said, okay, Oga, did you look? Yes, I just looked at the pavement. <laughs> God will deliver us from evil. In Jesus' name. Now, you need to take control of your gates, of what comes into you. One thing that I do, 
which has worked over the years and still works. You may not stop yourself from seeing the first one by accident, but refuse to look back. Refuse to take another look. You have seen, but you want to see again. So you have seen by in error. Just pray the blood of Jesus. <laughs> and move on. It's a constant battle. But like someone said, you may not be able to stop a bird from flying over your head. But you can stop a bird from perching on your head, poo-pooing on your head, laying a nest on your head, and it becomes lost, your own lost. You don't own seduction. Seduction is external. Lost is internal. So the fact that there was seduction doesn't mean there has to be lost. There's seduction, but you can stop it and refuse to lost. Temptation is not sin. You have to draw the line. The fact that you were tempted doesn't mean it's a sin. Temptation is not sin. There's a difference between temptation and sin. So you see it. Ah! Lord, have mercy. Help me, help me, help me, Lord. Sometimes, sometimes, for me, back in the day, I would just scream. I would say, ah! <laughs> you know, what it does for me is, that scream gets it out of my system. So if you hear me just scream, ah! I'm not praying in tongues. I'm getting something out of my system. So you have to help yourself. Don't lost. Decide not to make covenant with your eyes like um, Job did. And God will help you. In Jesus' name. Good evening, sir. I don't understand the scripture, 1 Corinthians 11. It says, if a woman doesn't cover her head, she should cut it off. But any woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered disgraces her head. The question is, are women are not covering theirs? Does it mean the scripture is not right or what? Please, I'm in darkness. <laughs> I want more understanding on this. Like I said, I've, I've done an extensive teaching on this, um, but I will just explain this again as regards this particularly. If you read, those are cultural things, and it's the first Corinthians, those are cultural things. If you read that Scripture. It says um, the, the woman having power over her head. Power over her head means honor and significance for a covering. The covering of a wife is who? Is a husband. The covering of the man is who? Is Christ. And the covering of Christ is who? God. God is, I mean, just if you, if you want to break it down. If a lady is not married, who is a covering? A father. If a father, whether he's alive or dead, sometimes it's a spiritual father. Now, the power over your head is the honor for your covering. So she says that. I am under this authority. I am under authority. I'm under this person's authority. I'm under authority. Now, in that culture, to, to, 
show that you are under authority. Authority is not to put a scarf on your head. It's not, it's not to wear a cap. Some people wear trendy hats to church. And they say they are covering their head. That's not covering your head. Because back in the day, what the scripture is saying is you wear a veil. It's called, what's that? What is that called now? Um, Punjab. Punjab. Punjabi. If you want to obey the scriptures, you must wear Punjabi. You must wear Punjabi. Because that is, you have to cover it. That's what the Bible says. That's what that scripture is saying. And if you see, we, we grew up, we used to stay in K2, and we had a lot of Elehas, you know, back in the area where we were staying, you know. And, you know, the Elehas are those that wear the full Punjabi thing. Now, if you see, and we used to see some of them, those, some of them are very promiscuous. If you see an Eleha in a corner, quickly taking off his a Punjabi, wrapping it and putting it inside a bag and now walking away. What does that tell you? Immediately, what does that tell you? She's going to commit adultery. I used to see them. Say, sit down. You just sweat one corner and they are very fast at it. Thing is out in a bag. Because nobody recognizes them on the street. So when she is uncovered, she is removing the power over her head. She is dishonoring her husband. It's a shameful thing. Which by the Bible is shame. It's a shameful thing because obviously she's as good even if she never really goes to commit the adultery. Even maybe she gets to the bus stop and there was no bus and she comes back home. She's as good as I've committed the adultery. That's, that, that's, that's the culture of 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 that Paul is writing from. In our time, what is the sign that, that you are married to a man? What's the sign? Today, when you, a woman is going out and removes her ring, what does that tell you? No, 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 what does that tell you? Immediately, what does that tell you? It's the same thing. So, you need to go deeper into the scriptures and stop saying things that are not applicable to us. So, if a woman, she's wearing a ring, she has big fat one, you know, and she's wearing it everywhere, you know, and she gets to the office and she removes the ring. That is a flirtatious woman. That is a shameful woman. That's a woman that dishonors her head. You can wear all the Punjabi in the world. If you don't get the spirit of this scripture, it will still lead to shame. God will help all of us. In Jesus' name. 29. Good evening, Pastor. Why do girls wear leggings? Single and married women too. It is really tempting, I must tell you. Clothes that show pants. Is it right to wear such clothes to church? Why do parents allow their daughters to wear anyhow clothes, e.g. leggings, 
open clothes that shows one's underwear, and mothers wear it too. Why? Well, personally, honestly, you know, I've heard some, some of these complaints, but the truth is that, personally, I don't see them. Is it in this church? Anybody like that in this church? Now everybody's quiet. Now, now, wait. Is anything wrong with leggings in itself? Of course not. But you see, when you are wearing leggings, it's a, it's a tight-fitting material, and it's supposed to take the shape of whatever it lies upon. So, and your top does not cover your, your bum, right? And maybe your, to- your top is there, and all you have is leggings. Does anybody dress like that? They do? They have fashion issues. <laughs> when you wear leggings, maybe, Pastor Dami, let's put our hands together for Pastor Dami. Let her come. Let's clap, let's clap, let's clap, let's clap. Okay, so what say ye? Good evening, praise God. Um, like Pastor said, really, most people wear leggings with under things that are either short or under long tops. It's, um, it's I think, the latest fashion now to wear skinny jeans, and they are very tight. Um, I would say the Bible says you should dress decently. If you are seeing people that are dressing like that, you want to ask yourself one question. Are they new to the faith? Because if they are new to the faith, they are coming from somewhere and they need to learn what you already know. So don't be too quick to judge them based on their outward, experience, on their outward appearance. We had um, someone who used to wear very short skirts. A colleague invited her to church and as she grew in Christ, her skirts started getting longer because God himself, <laughs> yes, God, God would deal with the things in us that would not glorify him. It could be your dressing, it could be your makeup, it could be your hair, whatever. You know, so don't, don't be too quick to pass you know, judgment. Help the person. If you can speak to the person, speak to the person and encourage the person. Concerning children, I would say, like, past, like we had um, a presentation by some children some weeks ago and Pastor um, Ayobami mentioned it. The way you dress your children is very important. To you, they are children. They are mm. innocent. But to the pedophile, mm. to the um, person who has issues controlling his um, desires, they don't see children. They just see seduction. They just see, you know, what's, whatever funny thing the devil is putting in their mind. So you need to be very careful. You need to be very careful of how you dress your children. Dress them cute. Let them look nice, but decently. Be mindful of the kind of clothes you buy for them. Remember, these clothes sometimes have spirits, for lack of a better word. And I'll give you a personal example. When I, when I gave my life, when I rededicated my life to Christ, I, what was going through, I was led to go through my wardrobe, you know. And for every item I picked, I would ask the Holy Spirit, 
functional or seductive. And the Holy Spirit will tell me, even clothes that I thought were okay, seductive, and I'll take it off the hanger. I'll move to the next one, functional or seductive, functional. I'll move it aside. Functional until I separated. I had a huge pile of clothes, and I burnt them. Someone came and asked, why didn't you give them to somebody else? I was like, if they're not good for me, I can't give them to someone else. So you need to let God lead you, even in your dressing. No one is saying, like, don't say you should wear Punjabi, but what, you may, what may be okay for you may be a stumbling block for somebody else. So let us be wise and help ourselves. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. If you, I mean, you, you dress like that, you have heard it. If you see people that dress like that, you have heard it. <laughs> Bottom line, <clears throat> all things are lawful, not all things are expedient. Some people are, some things are not even lawful. Is it lawful for a woman to be showing her breast? Is that lawful? It's not even lawful. So don't do it. Okay. Praise the Lord. Should we attempt these questions and just end this series? It's 8.16. About 20 questions. If each take two minutes, I'll be 40 minutes. That means we leave here by 9.05. I don't think we want to do that. So we'll decide if we are going to continue um, the Q&A or we'll post the answers to these questions online. <laughs> I don't know. But, okay. Maybe we do another week of Q&A. And they are very interesting questions. Very interesting. Very interesting questions. Tight questions are there too. Okay, so let's put our hearts as we put our heads. I need just say thank you to the Lord for his goodness, his kindness, his mercy. This compassion over us. I say, Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you are here, you are not saved. You are not born again. Jesus is not the Lord of your life. You are saying this judgment thing. I don't want to face judgment. I don't want to go to hellfire. Can I secure my place in God? Today, Pastor, can I secure my place in God? Yes, you can. You are saying, that is me. Pray with me. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Or oh, I used to be with God, but backsliding, I want to come back to God. Pray with me, Pastor. Anybody like that, put up your hand over your head. And I'll pray with you wherever you are sitting. Don't come forward. I put up your hand, put up your hand. Well, well, well. God bless you. Anybody? Not on your head, over your head. Over your head. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Keep the hands up. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. I don't want to be under judgment. I don't want to be condemned. That is me. Put up that hand over your head. Quickly. I will pray together. 
Oh, Father, we thank you. Just of us, let's just thank him. Let's thank God. If we are online, the instructions are scrolling on what to do. Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory. We pray for your, your son and everyone else that is committed to you today. We ask that you breathe upon them in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, teach us, even as we leave this place, let the teaching continue by your spirit and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.